With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, just when you thought there wasn't room for any more high-intensity, high-stakes sport this weekend, we've found something else to work into your sports viewership bender. The World Surf League Finals. Yes, the WSL is one of the world's most truly international sports leagues, and after a recent shake-up of how the tour is uh, operated and ultimately decided comes down to one day of surfing at Lower Trestles in California to decide the men's and women's champs. And Brazilian Filippo Toledo uh, enters the finals as the men's top seed. Hawaiian Carissa Moore is uh, that honour on the women's side. Uh, they'll be surfing in a best-of-three heat uh, shootout to decide the titles against who, though? Well, there's a few lips to hit and the airs to be landed before we know that exactly. And Barton Lynch, who is a legend of the sport of surfing, if you've watched the WSL over the years, you'll recognise his ex- excellent analysis from the booth. He's, of course, the 1988 world champion as well and now hosts his own podcast, The Stoked Bloke Show. Uh, we're pretty lucky to have uh, a man of his calibre on our show this morning out of his North Shore Oahu base. Uh, good morning to you or good afternoon to you, uh, Barton. Thanks for joining us. Good afternoon or morning, Smitty. It's afternoon for us. That's right, one o'clock here in Hawaii but uh, and a nice summer's day. Well, uh, Barton, first of all, before we get into the surfing side of it, uh, Hawaii with the, the tragic fires, etc. cetera, uh, how do yeah. you see it bouncing back from that and what's the feeling at the moment? Oh, I mean, people are, you know, everybody's touched, everyone's moved. It's been, uh, you know, a dramatic situation. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the island just over from us, so not far away at all. And, um, you know, there, there does seem to be some, some concern, some anger, some emotion, you know, from people about the lack of support from, you know, all of what we have heard, as I heard when the Byron Bay flood, Lismore floods were happening, is that the government are barely anywhere to be seen and the people are fending for themselves. But the great thing about that has been this coming together of community and the way that the community has just embraced each other, you know, into islands as well, you know, from Molokai, from Oahu, people coming from other islands to contribute and help their family members. And so so the sentiment in the community is so strong and so positive, but there's this very deep and very strong concern about the land, that indeed this may be a land grab, that, that local people lose their land, their family land that has been generational land. And the important thing, I suppose, for everyone is that the people get back on their land and they're able to maintain that connection with their land and that, you know, the right things happen. Government do the right things and, and it ends up staying in the hands of the people, the, the rightful owners, you know. that's That seems to be the, the great concern at this point in time and there is some, some anger there that, that not enough has been done by the authorities for the people and and then on the upside of that the people have taken it into their own hands and and created an incredible community uh around this whole thing and everybody's supporting each other and that's where the power is with the people well barton of course uh, surfing is so central to uh, the way of life for so many people in uh, hawaii on the islands so I, I just wonder how, how much of a backseat has it taken now 
uh, with a view towards uh, these uh, yeah. finals uh, at the weekend in California? I think that it, it sort of take all of those in a, in a way, and, and for me, just posting on Instagram, you know, regularly I would post daily, um, but it just seems frivolous to post about just such whatever type of things when indeed the, you know people are going through such extreme tragedies and and so I suppose I feel that on my level at my level in, in terms of you know what you're talking to people about what becomes important what isn't important um, and then you you could imagine that you know surfing falls into that same category to a degree because it's it's definitely a first world thing it's definitely a luxury item isn't it you know it's definitely not a necessity as professional sport is in general I suppose the in fact, you got to play cricket. You know, you kind of look mm. at it and you go, "Well, they're, they're privileges of a of a well-off society and a system that's working well, where people get to go and and partake in that type of activity." So, yeah, I definitely think there's a little bit of that in the air. Okay, Barton. Uh, if we could, we'll turn our attention to uh, these uh, fascinating finals at the weekend. Um, Radio, do you like the concept? Do you like the format? Um, you know what? I like the idea of it being decided over a twelve month, year-long campaign, different venues, different times, different seasons, different equipment, all hot, cold, all of those different elements that come into determining who's number one at the end of a season, that feels right to me as a surfer. Um, I understand that you've got to find business models that make money and, and that help the sport to profit. So there's been that experimentation. We moved away from finishing the World Tour at Pipeline in the uh, mid-'80s. And it didn't work, and we ended up going back and finishing in Hawaii. So we've experimented with that. I personally think Pipeline is where world titles should be decided. Um, this is an incredibly high-performance wave at lower trestles. And, and in you know to answer the question, it doesn't matter what I think really, does it? You know, we're here to, to celebrate the, the young champions of the sport and those people who have qualified for that final day. As you said in the intro, Stephanie Gilmore came from fifth place to win last year. Uh, and in her speech, she kind of went, well, we kind of know Carissa's the world champ, really, and I'm kind of I'm grateful for this opportunity. But she even felt a little bit weird about coming from fifth. But I suppose it creates an awfully exciting day, and both both the men and the women's draws have have uh, mixed mixed surfers. Not mixed in terms of whether they stand with their right foot and their forward or their left, because there's only one goofy footer out of the 10 surfers that qualified five on each side. There's only one goofy footer and nine natural footers. So that speaks to some dominance throughout the year. Um, and that one goofy footer is Caroline Marks in third place on the women's side. So the only ones we kind of really know for sure are the fourth and fifth surf-offs. In the women's, that's uh, Caitlin Simmers, young teenage girl in her maiden year against Molly Picklin, the Australian who for so long was in the yellow jersey in the early parts of the year. And these are these are two of the hottest properties in the sport. And so that one itself is the only real draw that we know. And it's a beauty to start with. Um, and they're both kind of, they're, they're quite evenly matched. Molly's most probably a little more professional, a little more experienced, where Caitlin's a little more radical and just has all of the tricks in her, in her performance repertoire. So that's going to be a good one. And then the men's fourth and fifth, that first opening battle is between Jack Robinson, the Australian who as well led the year in the yellow jersey, got injured, and then at Chopu in the last event of regular season, fought his way back into fifth place and qualified. So he's had a, an incredible year, and he's he's someone who could go all the way, 
But, um, you know, he's up against Brazilian, Jao Chianka. I feel like Jack Robbo could get the, the head over him and then make get some momentum going. But on both sides, Felipe Toledo in the men's drawer, in the yellow jersey, number one seed, waiting for a whole day surfing to sort itself out before he goes into the water, into the best of three, as you said. And it's hard to imagine him getting beaten in the men's, really. He won last year, and he is so fast on a rail. When he lays his board over onto a rail and drives, sears through a turn, no one goes faster in the world, and that's where they've got to match him. They've got to be as fast on the rail and then as deep and powerful in the turns as he is. And um, to sum the men's up, I would say that all of the four contenders – you know, outside of Felipe in number one, they all need to be on the very best ways and need to be at their very best to win. They've got to do their best surfing on the best ways to, to win, and Felipe might not have that much pressure on him. He, he could maybe get the lesser quality wave and, and score big scores with his performance. So on the men's, I think he's a, he, he kind of feels like a bit of a shoe-in. But the local story is Griffin Colapinto in second place, Um and, and he's going to have so much support and so much energy down there on the beach. People are going to be going wild. And if he can, you know, get lifted by that and match Felipe and, and use his local knowledge, um, he's a chance too. So exciting. Barton, it's Louis here, mate. And uh, thank you so much for coming on and explaining that beautifully. Uh, and as you're talking, I'm wondering what so much about the wave and what wave Philippe, you know, he might be able to get a, a lesser of a wave. Well, it makes me think that yeah. hearing you talk about pipe and, and uh, you know, them taking it away from pipe as a, a finishing stop. Is this the right yep. wave to be surfing this, you know, one day shootout on at lower trestles? Is that fear? Is it the right wave for a guy like um, Robbo, Jack Robinson, who, who wants to be surfing big? tubes and does it sum up the kind of season and totality at lower trestles and is there a broadcasting dollar or, or a reason that they are there yeah i think i think the reason for you know i, I a little while ago I, I gave three reasons why we were living in the upside down world in one of my podcasts and one of them was that john john florence chose not to surf chopu and go on a boat trip in the world championship tour event the, and and that was wild. The other was that they turned their back on Pipeline as a venue to finish the world title and chose to go to Lower Trestles in California. And the only reason there could be would be commercial reasons. There's no cultural reasons. There's no reasons from a perspective of integrity, challenge, bravado, all of the reasons why Pipeline is still you know, right up there with as one of the greatest waves on the world in the world, and the folklore is all there. The history is there. So for me, I don't like it. I would rather, you know, and I don't like the final five thing either, mate. I do, you know, to be honest, I like the way it was, um, but I don't run it, and it's it's something where. You know, you've got to experiment, I suppose. You've got to be trying things. You've got to be trying to reinvent um, and, and see if that can become more profitable, I suppose. In the end, that becomes what most probably without knowing from the inside, but that's what they're trying to do is find a system that's profitable. Um, they seem to believe that this way it is. Uh, it definitely favours Philippe Toledo, this venue. And if it was at um, Pipeline, it would not – he would – not have that favoritism he would be in a, a, a much it would be a very different conversation i would have or a, you know preview i would have with you if we were a pipeline for philippe toledo so it definitely stacks the, the the cards in his favor but that's not unfair or biased or whatever when you consider it because every wave's different and every every surfer's got to be able to ride every wave and if you're the world champ it shouldn't really matter where it ends 
And to those guys, I'm better doesn't matter in their minds. They're going there to do a job. So that said, you know, it, it, it shouldn't matter. It does have an influence because people have preferences. But in the end, you know, it, it, it really shouldn't matter. Well, Barton, uh, the other thing, of course, is uh, when this is all said and done and uh, w- conditions will de- determine exactly when it is that, of course, but uh, one of the other events on the calendar not too far away is, uh, of course, the Olympics in Tahiti. Most of these surfers, <laughs> not all I understand, are uh, qualified for the Olympics already. Uh, how excited yes. about you of an Olympics in Tahiti? Oh, mate, that's a, um, you know, that is potentially the greatest surfing event of all time. Um, we, I, I was fortunate enough to go to uh, Tokyo and commentate the first Olympic Games, and um, that was, you know, for me that was an honour, and it was amazing to be there in the broadcast centre and commentating surfing to the world for the very first time, and. You know, it was important that that event was in the ocean. There was talk of it being in a wave pool and people, the, the, the discussion was, you know, people need to see surfing in the ocean. We can't be showing the world it for the first time in a pool. It needs to be in the ocean. And, and then you think of Japan and Tokyo and it's not the best representation of the sport in an ocean. It can be very small and very average. But we got lucky and there was some swell, a typhoon swell, and there was enough to put on a show and it was a very successful Olympics for, for our opening run. To take it then in the second stage, the second phase, to the heaviest com- competition wave in the world along with Pipeline. But Chopu is a unique beast. It's a crazy, crazy wave. People are really going to see the other side of what professional surfing is and it will be and and has all of the makings of, of the greatest surfing event of all time i think it's you know the olympic games at that venue um it could trump it all really uh, and, and that's the other thing uh, from a broadcasting point of view i mean we all you know when we work in broadcasting we see year after year how things uh, have evolved and access becomes a little bit more uh, apparent to everyone, you get closer to what's happening. But I, I was, I've been watching a bit of surfing uh, this year a, a, as well, and just the technology now, Barton, that you've got to work with. You know, the guys out there uh, on the, you know, uh, on on the cameras, the guys just a uh, sort of um, treading water themselves to get those key shots. They're so close. How how good a sport now is it to broadcast compared to the days where you, you're basically just on the beach, a couple of hundred yards away? Yeah, well, it's, and, and the drones as well. The drone angles are amazing and um, they've been a, an important part of, of safety as well because they're able to see, say, at Jeffrey's Bay, they're able to see sharks approaching and clear the water and that sort of thing. So you imagine in the past you, you saw none of that aerial view that's just so spectacular now and then the water angles and then, you know, being able to cross live to the jet ski and hear perspectives from the lineup is is amazing it's going to be interesting to see because the olympics as a it's it's a, a you know the, the the world's greatest sporting body it runs stuff from a sporting perspective and whereas wsl it's like a product it's a brand it's a that tour is one product they can do anything they want any way they want so they're most probably more open to be able to play around with stuff as well it's going to be interesting to see but the angles at in Tahiti are going to blow people's minds. If there's a good size swell, it's at the right time of year for that to happen. And if it if all of those stars aligned and we got one of them, you know, ten foot big crazy swells that, you know, there will it will terrify half the field for sure. There will be people that qualify for the Olympics <laughs> who really 
are going to be intimidated by this opportunity. It will. That's it's the ultimate having to step up to to show um, what you've got and you've qualified for it. So it's going to be a it's going to be a great show all round. You know, there's going to be bravado. There's going to be that opportunity for us to see people's uh, sensitive sides. It's going to be humbling because that wave is definitely humbling, even to the best surfers in the world. And so that Olympics is going to it's going to show surfing in a light that really people will trip on. I would imagine. Well, Barton, humbly, you were one of the best surfers in the world for a very long period of time. Mate, before we let you go, I'm wondering how much water time you get at the moment. Are, are you getting out most days? Are you doing any John John boat trips and, and getting around the world still? It's, it's a good question. Um, the last time I surfed was in May in the Maldives, and I've since had a herniated L5S1 in my lower back that I've tried to treat naturally and given a couple of months to see how that would progress. And I'm literally on the verge. I just sent a text message to my surgeon saying, hey, I could get the red eye tonight, do the blood tests tomorrow and have surgery Thursday if we could. And he was because he was going, he was going next Thursday. And I'm like, no, mate, I can't wait that long. I need to, we've got winter approaching. I need to get this back. I've got a 13 by eight millimeter, uh, extrusion in my spine out of that those discs so it's very painful i've been just in on the mattress and in pain for a couple of months mate and it's not good and the next step is surgery and and getting that that rock out of there and then being able to get back to healthy and in the water again because it's uh it's it, it emotionally physically harms and hurts me not to be able to go surfing every day well, Barton, you've been absolutely fantastic. We're gra- uh, glad that you're able to, uh, to speak to us this morning, enlighten us on what's going to be very fascinating uh, over the weekend. Uh, look forward to uh, your commentary, et cetera, throughout um, you know, the, the, the months ahead in surfing, particularly at the Olympics as well. Cheers, mate. Thank you for making us uh, much better informed and have a, a terrific day and get that back right, eh? Ah, thank you, and congratulations to New Zealand on already having qualified those two people to the Olympic Games. Amazing stuff. Yeah, we're pretty excited, and we'll be covering it a lot on the station as, station as well. You che- should be. Yeah, cheers. All right, guys. Cheers, cheers man. Thank it. you.